Good afternoon. This is uh, Mark's Musings, and I'm Mark, and uh, we are here at uh, WCTV in Wilmington, Massachusetts, and we are taping another program of Mark's Musings where we interview uh, various authors, and we talk about their writing and uh, some of the things that they may be interested in. Today, we are pleased to have with us an author by the name of Carol Goodman Kaufman. Good afternoon, Carol. Good afternoon, Mark. Thanks so much for inviting me here. It's so wonderful to have you here. I noticed it's so been so sunny this summer and so hot, but now I think we're in for some uh, weather this afternoon. What do you think? Well, it was already starting to sprinkle as we drove in, and yes. luckily we uh, we avoided the storm. But we br- we came into the studio with umbrellas. A preparation. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that was good. Well, I, I hope that uh, we won't uh, be deluged with too much. Uh, of a problem with the with the storm, the weather can uh, really turn quickly. So we'll uh, see w- if we can get by this. So I'm glad to to have you here. Uh, I noticed that uh, you've had uh, a, a different career uh, uh, besides cooking. You've started off. Uh, tell me a little bit about your other background or career, and then we'll go into the cooking part. Okay. In a previous life, I trained as a, an industrial and organizational psychologist. Oh, great. Uh, well, it was okay. <laughs> I, I did enjoy the teaching. Um, didn't particularly enjoy working in industry. Uh, I'm not a corporate type person. Yes, yes. Uh, then one day I had an epiphany and decided, well, I shouldn't waste all the training and research. So I went and did a, a postdoctoral fellowship in criminology. Oh, yes. yes. And for several years wrote about violence, um, domestic violence, youth violence in schools, and then I did a study on um, violent extremists. And I wrote the first draft of the book and never went beyond it. I I had had enough of violence. All along I had been very involved with food, um, cooking, gardening, um, baking, ever since I had been a teenager. So one day my rabbi called me and said, you know, Lily and Jonah think that lettuce comes from the store wrapped in cellophane. (laughs) I know that you do a lot of gardening. Would you mind bringing them into your garden? I said, thrilled my kids were grown at this point. I went and bought one of those Fisher-Price or whatever brand it was, toy gardening set, and brought the kids over. And it occurred to me as we were planting. How old were these kids? Oh, young, young, very young. And uh, it occurred to me, where did these things come from? Where did the eggplant come from? Where did the tomatoes come from? Yes. They didn't just come from the plant or the seed. They came from someplace originally. And I, as I want to do, I became a little obsessed and started really <laughs> looking at the, at the research. And uh, yeah, the origin. A, I really had a lot of fun. I mean, it wasn't just where the food. It was how they got to where they ended up. For oh. example, peanuts. Oh, yes. Now, yes. if you've ever read Paddington Bear, yes. you wonder, why did Aunt Lucy send Paddington Bear to England, of all places, when these wonderful foods grow in the Andes, <laughs> such as peanuts? So peanuts went all over the world. And then in addition to that, they they were adopted by various cultures around the world and then adapted to their own needs, incorporated into everything from jewelry to poetry. There's haiku written in the 17th century to the egg. (laughs) I mean, obviously, there's a reason people fall in love with foods. Sure, sure. Uh, But they really 
make much more of that food than simply eating it. Yes, yes. And so I started doing that and I've been working on developing recipes from around the world. That is wonderful. My God, yes. I wondered where your um, name of your website came from when you say that it's called uh, Peanut uh, Peregrinations. Yes. Yeah, well, the peanut traveled all over. It wandered is around. Is that what the word peregrinations is? Yeah. <laughs> You're a chemistry professor, yeah. right? Not in English. Um, yeah. That's. I have a cousin who's a writer also, and she doesn't like the title. But at this point, <laughs> this is the title of the book. That is terrific. So, Oh, yeah. So now you are accumulating all of your experiences with food, and you are in the process of putting a book together. Yes. Yeah, the book will be part food history and part cookbook. Background, the history and the different uh, literature, folklore, poetry, jewelry, uh, pottery, all those aspects of the food will be included in the first part of the chapter. And then the second part of the chapter will include about a dozen recipes for that food product from around the world. So there'll be Chinese eggplant, there will be Spanish eggplant, there will be Lebanese eggplant. It would be from all over. Wow. And and you're probably uh, thinking about a year from now or something where the book is going to be available or uh, you're still working on it? I'm hoping to finish it by the end of the year, but I'm also looking for an agent. Oh, that's, (laughs) I know. That is so difficult uh, sometime. You want to either self-publish or you want to go and with an agent and go to a book company. Mm -hmm. So that's a a hard decision to make, and mm-hmm. and uh, you need to work that out yourself mm-hmm. because uh, there are so many questions that mm-hmm. you want to try to answer. But that's great that you'll have you're accumulating all this this information. So you have a website that I noticed, and I started to uh, I clicked on that uh, when you gave me that information, and it basically says similar that you love food and you love travel. So. Uh, so you have traveled a little bit to uh, uh, observe some of these foods and as you've traveled? Yeah, we've been very fortunate. Um, I've been to Cuba. I've been to Poland. I've been to Jordan. I've been to Israel several times. Um, I've been to Italy, England. Uh, no, I nice. love to travel. We love to travel, and I love to eat, so yeah. we get to experiment. And you, and you told me also your children are traveling now, too, so they're probably bringing back ideas from the places that they have uh, of travel too. Yes, actually, it's kind of funny. Um, my daughter and her husband, he's an academic, and they have he goes off to do research in various places, and they were in Brazil. Oh. Uh, I needed an ingredient in order to make a particular recipe, whose name is escaping me at the moment, uh, but I can't find that, re- that ingredient anywhere, even yeah. online here. Yeah. So I mentioned it to her. I said, do you think when you're down there you could pick up this ingredient and bring it home with you? And she found it. And she wrote me an email and said, Mom, are you sure you want me to bring a little plastic baggie of white powder back with me? <laughs> I know. They'll probably stop you for that if yeah. they found it. <laughs> yeah, it, it turned out I mean, it was perfectly legal. It was, uh, I can't even remember what the substance was at this point. But, uh, um, so they do travel and they bring things back. Now that sounds. I noticed you also wrote, read something in your uh, website that you said uh, you have a uh, your own blog, a movable feast. Yes. What does that mean, movable feast? Well, that's I've stolen that from uh, from uh, Ernest Hem- Ernest Hemingway or 
<laughs> Wasn't it Ernest, Ernest Hemingway wrote yeah, that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, I just stole the name and uh, thought that would be a good name because so, food is movable. So mm-hmm. food, okay. So that's the point uh, there, that it can move around in, the, in different types mm-hmm. of foods and different holidays mm-hmm. and things like that. So that's super. Um, so that's mm-hmm. what I saw out of your, and then you like to forage for foods too. You said you yes. want to go and pick it yourself. So you go to, where would you forage for foods, for instance? Well, the most recently foraged foods are great wild grape leaves, uh, because they make fabulous stuffed grape leaves, much better than the stuff in the in the jar. Now that would be locally that you would do that, or sure, if, oh, sure, okay. yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, sumac. The I just got a really good harvest of sumac. You have to be careful with that. It's not poison sumac, not and poison sumac doesn't look at all like edible sumac. It's a wonderful spice used in Middle Eastern cooking, Mediterranean cooking. It's bright red, deep, deep, ooh, almost claret, beautiful. Uh, you just have to make sure you. Wait for it to be red, but not too long because then it can be infested with worms, these little wiggly worms. So I got a great harvest a couple weeks ago, and it's drying now. Are these Um, little plants, or are they trees? Oh, they're trees. You'll see them big, beautiful, red. um, It almost looks as if they're Christmas ornaments. And they grow locally, yeah. All over, all over. Oh, interesting. And uh, that's delicious. And what else? Oh, I've been working on on the chapter about carrots. And Queen Anne's lace, yeah, is the uh, the wild version of the carrot. The origin of, of a yeah. carrot, yeah. yeah. Isn't I when I saw that in your uh, blog, I said, oh, what? Because <laughs> I used to uh, when I did some uh, nature studies mm-hmm. with some of my students, we went out into the woods and we mm-hmm. would identify different plants, and mm-hmm. Queen Anne's lace was always one of the ones that. Mm-hmm. I said, now there's some Queen Anne's lace over there, and they said, oh great! I, they like the, the the puffy um, flower that they right. get. If yeah. that's the second year, it's a biennial plant. So if you pull if you pull the ta- what you eat is the taproot. A carrot is a taproot basically. Oh, yes, yes. So it's only about this long. And on radio, you obviously can't see how long that is. Yeah. Yeah, maybe three inches, four inches. Yeah. Which and it has a tough core. And yeah. the, if you number one, you don't want to eat the tough core, so you have to pull it out. Which means you would need probably a bushel full in order to make a side dish for oh. a family of four. Um, <laughs> but you don't want to take it from the second year when you can see the Queen Anne's lace. You want the first year plant oh. will be much more tender. Yes. So around the time of a frost, you'll look around at the base of the Queen Anne's lace and you'll see the same kind of foliage. And you just pull that up and you'll see the little Root. white taproot, tap which root. white was the original color of, of a oh. wild carrot. Isn't that something? Uh, yeah. yeah. That, that's a very nice uh, piece of information. Uh, I've noticed also that you have uh, told a little story here about making a, some spices and that King involved sent out his uh, minions to go look for some spices and this guy was so nervous that he uh, went to the market and he was jibber-jabbering, he needed some spice. What did right. he do? Well, the king wanted was sending his servant to the market, but at the same time, the queen was sending him to the market, and he got a little behind time, and he got nervous, very nervous, and he didn't want to displease the king, who could be very violent if he wasn't happy. So he went to the spice merchant and said, please give me, I need spices, and just give me something, a bit of everything. <laughs> and he put it into a package and brought it home, and that night, the chef made couscous with this ras el hanut which means head of the shop 
Oh. In other words, the best of the shop. <laughs> and the chef and the servant both were quaking in their boots because they did not want to displease the king. <laughs> and the king was so pleased. He said, I've never had so, anything so delicious. Every night I want my couscous to be made like this. <laughs> so Ra's El Hanout was born. <laughs> and the thing is, everybody has a different recipe for these mixtures. There's another one called um, uh, Hawaj, which is another mixture of many, many spices. Yes. And depending on the recipe, it can be really good or it can not be so great. So I have two. I made the mistake of forgetting to mark one and two on the two Hawaj <laughs> mixtures I made. And I don't want to throw the stuff out because I have made quite a bit. And I can't remember which one. I, I like the second one, but I neglected to put a star on it and say, this is the good one. And so you have to be careful. So, I mean, I hate to spoil it, but it sounds like Mrs. Dash, but not, oh, no, not <laughs> it's quite. not Mrs. Dash. Oh, no, the real. Because really, she yeah. has a mixture of different right. spices, too. But, right. but yours is uh, quite authentic, and uh, uh, it's nice the way you pronounced it. I was going to say Raz El Hanut. <laughs> so well, that. you could be right. I don't speak Arabic. My daughter does. I do not speak Arabic. <laughs> Well, that is that's quite a story. That's uh, it's nice. You have to have the right amount of seasonings whenever you cook something. It's not just cooking it plain because it's the seasonings that bring out bring out the flavor. Absolutely, but you know, it, I don't understand why people use super hot. People there are peppers that actually are regulated by the government in terms of their heat. To me, that destroys the flavor of the food. Oh yes, it's yes. like music that's too loud. Yes, it yes. destroys. Yeah, the too, melody. Yeah, yeah, I have a brother-in-law who loves jalapeno peppers and mm. he just wants that in all of his foods mm. and he's just spoiling the taste of the food if, if the jalapeno is overpowering right. him. I noticed that you also publish in uh, some of your recipes and you do reviews of cookbooks and mm-hmm. cook in different uh, local papers like Berkshire Jewish Voice right. or the Worcester Gazette or the various um, local magazines. So, are you, uh, do you uh, do you have a, a regular column, say, in some of those magazines, or or do you just send this story, send stories? I do freelance work for other uh, magazines and newspapers, but I have a regular column in Jewish Press. That's Jewish. That's food history with a Jewish taste. For example, with biblical quotations, that kind of thing. Um, And I also have a regular column on general food history in the in the Worcester mag uh, Worcester Living Magazine, which is part of the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. Oh, nice, nice, yes. And okay, very good. And then I notice you uh, on your um, Facebook page here. You are have a picture of you on a cooking show with. another woman and uh, you talk a little bit about the food that you're making, potato salad and, and the veggie bowl with peanut sauce. I right, that, that was the um, that was the peanut. Was that We were talking about peanuts that day. That day, yeah. Right. And the other two, I think uh, we've done wild foods. I've done sumac with her and stuffed grape leaves. Uh, but yeah, that was the peanut day. So mm. she is uh, Anna Gershenson? Right, she, she has a show called The Natural Cook. And where is that locally? Is in Worcester area? That's out in the Berkshires. In the Berkshires. Right. Okay. Community yeah, television. I, I haven't seen that in the local Boston area. So. No, it, it appears on um, on community television around New England. And there's in Vermont, in, um, I think, Hampshire County, Berkshire oh. County. And then I noticed there is uh, another, you are a guest on a Mystery Lover's Kitchen. Oh, yes. I, I also, trying my hand at mystery writing. It's, 
probably my favorite type of reading. That's great, 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 yeah. I, I've been doing some writing mm -hmm. myself, and, and I can talk to you mm -hmm. more about it uh, later. But uh, uh, in fact, I think one of our uh, mutual friends, uh, Jane... Uh, uh, Jane Willen, yeah. Willen has written some uh, mystery books, and yes. so uh, that was the, one of the last ones that I had written, uh, I read, and uh, that was very, very interesting. And she also has some cooking in that, right, right. In, in that book, too. Mm. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, some of your dishes. Uh, I notice you have uh, one of the things you're making here is uh, Hammond's Fingers. Hammond's Fingers, <laughs> yes. That's from the Jewish holiday of Purim. Is that Hang like a knish or something? Or no, this is very sweet. Oh, oh. it's delicious. Absolutely oh, delicious. Okay, okay. Oh, my goodness. Wonderful. I made it with a group. In, um, we did a cooking demonstration. Purim is a holiday in which Haman is the evil. The short story is he's found out and he's booted out. The traditional food that most American Jews know is the hamantaschen. You can buy them in the, any bakery today, year-round. Yeah. It's a triangular pastry filled with um, usually poppy seed filling or prune, apricot, something like that. Oh, yes, yes. Um, and they're delicious. But I wanted to try something new. So I said, let's try Heyman's Fingers, which comes from a totally different part of the world. And, it's, uh, and they're delicious. It's made with uh, phyllo dough and uh, just... What's, what's the filling? What is it? Uh, chopped nuts and currants or raisins and oh, okay. honey. It, oh, it's just scrumptious. Nice, nice, nice. nice. Uh, another dish I see that you make is uh, I, uh, Israeli fish kebabs. Mm, yes. That looks delicious too, yes. Very good. Very, very, very easy and absolutely delicious. I noticed you mixed in the recipe ingredients, you've mixed two types of fish. Yes. Tilapia and haddock. Yeah. Is that needed or did you, is it always could it be just one type of fish or uh, you could do one I mean, you could use cod and, and tilapia cod and had it mix it up but white fish a mild white fish oh, okay. because the spice is really that's the one that has the razalanut in it isn't it yes it yeah. does yes that really gives it a fabulous flavor yeah. and you really feel as if you're in the Middle East <laughs> when you're eating it it's delicious I know yes I noticed that you make is a, a, a mixture not only uh, the hanout mixture of spices but also you have paprika and pepper and uh, cumin and pine nuts and so you have a lot of other oh, yeah. ingredients that you've uh, put into the mix too and it sounds delicious and then you top it off with an after drink uh, which is ice uh, coffee rather with ice cream ice cafe that's a uh, something I drank many 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 years ago <laughs> when I lived in Israel um, you'd get a tall glass with uh, hot coffee, and they just put a scoop of very creamy vanilla ice cream in it. It was absolutely delicious. Now, the hot coffee wouldn't, it starts to melt the ice cream oh, a little yes. bit, but it's, yeah. And it is sweet because of the ice cream. Right. Oh, you don't have to sweeten the coffee. Well, I mean, I suppose you could if you, if you if really you like want. sugar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that that is uh, quite. Now, you talk about walking down the streets of Israel mm -hmm. in some of your blogs mm -hmm. here. Give us a little flavor of that. If you've been to Israel, yeah. uh, you've mm -hmm. walked down some of the main streets. What do you see? My first time there, I lived there for a year, and uh, I had been reading the book by Nikos Kazantzakis, The Last Temptation of Christ. Yes. And in the book, there's a scene in which Jesus, an olive the size of an apple. Oh, I still boy. remember this. I mean, I was 
19 years old when I read this. And he eats it, sits under the apple, under the tree and eats it. And I thought, ooh, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> well, olive trees grow on the streets. They're everywhere. So I said, okay, I'm going to pick an olive. <laughs> Not a good idea. An olive picked off the tree is very bitter. Bitter, yes. Very hard, <laughs> very bitter. They... Olives really need to be treated. They need yeah. to be brined or put in olive oil, whatever, but they need to be treated. So I learned my lesson, and that book was total fiction. <laughs> <laughs> okay. At so least it, as far as olives were concerned. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't that uh, delicious. <laughs> yeah, things do. Um, zatar, the, um, the, there's an herbal mixture called zatar, which uh, a variety of other things, but the actual hyssop is called zatar also. And it's... Uh, that's something that is very popular to put on pita bread, uh, like a flatter pita bread called lafa, and you pour olive oil on it, sprinkle za'atar on it, and it's absolutely delicious. You can find those at um, Middle Eastern markets and bakeries around here. It's just delicious. Well, t- tell um, us about a favorite, <coughs> a favorite recipe you might have. Oh, my. <laughs> How do I narrow it down? <laughs> narrow it down. The, well, the, uh, the most recent one I make is the one I, I love the most, I suppose. <laughs> You've stumped uh, okay. me. Yeah. <laughs> Although, here's a really easy one. Uh, you take carrots and peel them and cut them into, on an angle, in like one and a half inch pieces, one to one and a half inch pieces, and you toss them with a little bit of olive oil, salt, pepper, and thyme. Oh. And then you roast them. You roast the bejeebers out of them until they caramelize. And no matter how many pounds of carrots I make for dinner, there's never a single piece of carrot left. Is it sweet? Uh, or it's, it's sweet and savory. Sa- okay, so it's thyme av- brings its savory taste. And the caramelization from, from roasting it so yeah. hot. Wow. Oh, it's absolutely yeah. delicious. So that's a side, that would be like a side dish. Yes. 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 But yeah. if I have people for dinner, I'll make a big, big tray of it, and there's never any left. <laughs> and it's super easy to make, so you yeah. can do it you know, during the week. Tell us a little bit about, you have a little article in your blog about uh, every mushroom is edible, but some only once. <laughs> yes. I did not make up that quote, <laughs> yeah. but I loved it. I always loved that it. That is so terrific. <laughs> yeah. I have been on a couple wild food foraging and done one specifically for mushrooms. I am a little too nervous to pick myself, except for mushrooms that have absolutely no twins. Oh. And there's one that my son-in-law, my daughter and son-in-law found in Vermont hiking around this time of year. It's called the um, lion's head mane or uh, bear tooth head. It looks like the, the ice that comes down on the side of rocks along the highway. You see that blue stuff? It's not blue. It's white, like, a, like an ice flow. Yeah. He had one that weighed about two and a half pounds. Oh, wow. And he brought it. He happened to mention we were at a um, at a farmer's market, and he approached a man who was selling mushrooms, and he said, you know, I got this two-and-a-half-pound mushroom. I understand it's safe. And he goes, two-and-a-half pounds. The man sniffed at him. He said, I have one that's 10 pounds. <laughs> but they're absolutely edible and absolutely delicious. Isn't that something? And they don't look like anything else. So how would you prepare that? Would you have to cook it, or would you? Uh... Yeah, they sliced it up and sautéed it okay. uh, with some onions or Okay. Apparently, it was delicious. Yeah, isn't that something? Mm. Wow, that, that that is wonderful. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm a little too nervous to uh, to try to yeah, try mushrooming myself. I think I told you earlier that my uh, when I was younger, I lived in Chelsea, but my uh, cousin lived in uh, Dorchester, and uh, he would I would sometimes go and sleep mm. over at his house. And his uncle lived next door and said, let's go out this morning. We're going to take a hike into the Blue Hills. Mm. And so we went out mm-hmm. early in the morning. And as we're, uh, this is an Italian family, mm. so as we're 
going mm -hmm. off into the woods. He stops and picks some of these mm -hmm. mushrooms. And I uh, said to him, how do you know? He says, well, I've been doing it for such a long time that mm -hmm. these are the ones that I, I feel are safe. Uh, but uh, there are some ways you can tell. But uh, I'll let your aunt tell you about it when we get mm -hmm. home. So um, actually, when we got home, uh, I asked my aunt, and I said, uh, you know, Uncle Peter said uh, you, you can tell uh, about uh, mushrooms if they're edible or not uh, by certain things. So she, she said, oh, yes, we have uh, silver half dollars, the real silver. Mm -hmm. And if you put them in the water with the mushrooms and they turn black, then they're poisonous. You know, so I don't know whether that is true or not, but it maybe has some validity because that's the uh, the secret. Maybe she was just living on the skin of her teeth, you know, for all these years. But maybe the the blackness uh, has to do with the chemical chemistry of the of the mushroom and uh, reacting with the silver. Well, you're the chemist, so you should you should know, do some I research on that. Actually, um, one of the wild foraging hikes I went on with an ex, his name is Russ Cohen, and he does a great job. But um, it, it was the one I went, the hike I went on happened to be during a drought. So there were there was nothing to be had, and one of the people in the group found a mushroom in the ground and held it up and said, "What about this one?" Oh, yes. And he looked at it and he said, "Watch this!" And he snapped it in half and it turned blue, Ooh. something oh. like out of Harry Potter. And he said, "This is not good." The mushroom itself inside turned turned blue. blue. Oh yes, so don't. Uh, when it got exposed to air, that caused yeah. it to imagine. What a what an interesting uh, story and uh, the different types of mu mushrooms that there are. Uh, and I know know that they uh, grow uh, men na uh, now that grow mushrooms in dark areas right. in cellars, right? Like yeah. underneath a house or in in a cellar where sure. it's com totally black, uh, grow there because obviously they're not. They don't have any chlorophyll. They don't. They're fungi yeah. and live uh, off of the nutrients in the soil and everything. So. Yeah, I actually bought a, a mushroom growing kit for my son-in-law as a gift once. Yeah. He he makes his own olives. He does is quite the cook. So I, I got him a set. I never found out how the mushrooms turned out. Yeah. I'll have to ask. I ask him about that. Yes, I love mushrooms. They're, they're very t tasty. Uh, my wife, uh, no, not so much. I noticed this also a. Uh, my non-toxic mushroom barley soup. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you, you've, I love barley too. So, <coughs> so you uh, have a recipe for that in your blog. Now, if somebody wanted to read your blog, do they go to your Facebook page? No, my website has the the blog is on the website. Oh, okay. And um, actually, I was just talking about. I have to write a new blog post. I haven't done one in a while because I've been so busy with the articles. But um, oh, yesterday, yes. this yes, weekend, yes. all my kids were in, and I told them I would not make I would not make this particular dish until everybody was together. It's taken me four years to grow enough key limes to make key lime pie <laughs> because they're tiny. They're they're tiny yeah. and you get about a half a teaspoon of juice from each one so for the past four years i've been growing key limes in my sunroom saving the juice in the freezer and this weekend everybody was together my three kids their spouses and all six grandchildren and i made key lime pie i made two big pies and it was delicious my God. i will say yes. but it takes all that time and my Sandra, I said, well, why don't you write a blog post about the history of key lime pie? Key lime pie, Because yes. the keys are cut off from the mainland, 
maybe that's why sweetened condensed milk is used because it was so hard to get oh, yes. fresh anything. I said, yeah, oh, that's yeah. a really good, that's a very interesting Way question. So the, I'm going to research it and write a blog post. Look at that. Yes. I belong to a group, group of um, retired uh, men who uh, we call ourselves the Romeos, retired <laughs> old men <laughs> eating out. out. My son, my father-in-law used to be one they, of those. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's an international organization. <laughs> They're all over the world. <laughs> We're in a, in a local uh, group. And uh, we're all retired science from the North Shore area. And uh, one of the things we do is we go out to eat once a month, Mm -hmm. and we try to pick an ethnic restaurant Mm -hmm. different. Mm For, so mm. sometimes it's Italian, sometimes it's uh, Japanese, mm. something. It's just different uh, restaurants that we, we uh, find uh, at different places. So I love to explore mm. the different kinds of foods that there are, and uh, we've enjoyed foraging, <laughs> sort of. It's, yeah. it's, there's such an abundance of choices in this country now. It's ironic because eggplant and garlic sauce at your local Chinese restaurant is one of my favorites. A hundred years ago, people turned their noses up at, at eggplant. They thought it was well, at least part of the night, uh, member of the nightshade family. People turned their noses up yes. at it. But once the Italians and the Chinese came into this country, all of a sudden, it's, we discovered that it's edible. Egg, not only is it edible, it's excellent. Um, <laughs> so There's such an abundance of, of choices here. Persian to Japanese to Turkish, and now you can even buy sushi in the supermarket. Yes. I mean, that's amazing. Yes, I know. Yeah. When I was growing up, I couldn't. I didn't know what a, an artichoke looked like. We didn't have them in the store. <laughs> uh, we, uh, my wife and I, and uh, now we found a place locally uh, in Stoneham at the Redstone uh, Center, which is a small local mm. uh, place called the Tulip Lounge. Mm. And they have a buffet lunch for $12, and you can eat as much as you want. And they have four different uh, tables, buffet mm-hmm. tables, mm-hmm. where a stream of dishes. Mm-hmm. And you can't believe the amount of selection that you have. That it's, you know, normally you think mm-hmm. of just uh, pork fried mm-hmm. rice and mm-hmm. uh, chicken wings, uh, but the, they have. A zillion choices, and so if you're and it's dangerous, isn't it? <laughs> Buffets are dangerous because for me. You go back too many times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love Indian food. That's probably one of my favorites. Really? Yes. I love. In fact, I'm hoping to go to India next year. Uh-huh. Uh, that's always been on my list. Now that they have a lot of curry in their Indian food. No, yes. Yeah, I, I think it all really depends on where in India. Where? It's a huge country, yeah. and uh, I'm I'm willing to try it all. <laughs> Try it all, oh. right? Well, that's wonderful. I, uh, we have uh, explored a lot. I, do you, would you like to add some things that uh, that I haven't covered already, or you had some notes in front of you, or? Well, I had notes in front of me in case you asked me a specific question. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> no, I think you've asked a lot of good questions. Yeah, it's, it's just uh, it's like a, the interview is like a just a conversation over a cup of coffee mm-hmm. and. Uh, we're just a sort of general uh, jib, uh, chit-chat back and forth on what our interests are. So yeah, you've been a wonderful guest and, and very enthusiastic about your uh, your foods and your travel and things. So you've, you've visited a lot of places, and 
Um, you brought back some ideas from all these places uh, on uh, what to cook. And I love the story you were telling me a few minutes ago well, before we were on the air. When your children were younger, you put a map, a wall, and uh, you zeroed in on different places on the map and uh, made foods from those places. So that's a, that was a wonderful idea on how to get your children involved in trying different foods. Well, it was a great way to get them to try different foods. Um, it's I think, I don't say it backfired on me, but they love to travel so much that they're away a lot. <laughs> they're trying, trying the different foods, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, well hopefully they're, uh, the foods that they taste are safe and uh, not uh, too toxic. <laughs> no, <laughs> actually, um, my eldest was in, uh, on his way to India. He ended up in Nepal. And where did he, he said, the best falafel he ever ate was in Nepal. I thought, huh. falafel in Nepal. But because a lot of Israelis travel the world after their army service, they end up in places all over the world. Yes. So that's one of the beauties of uh, what's called the global village. We all, we're part of a big planet, and we're not just stuck with the same old meat and potatoes every night. And that's yeah. true. That's yeah. true. And it's nice that uh, they have so many different uh, food programs mm -hmm. on uh, TV now mm -hmm. that you can sit in your living room mm -hmm. and almost experience uh, the different types of foods, sure. even even though you're not tasting them, mm -hmm. you're looking at mm -hmm. them, and hopefully someday you'll the urge to make it mm -hmm. yourself mm -hmm. or, or to buy some of the, the things and uh, put them put them together. A lot of the the food, a lot of the uh, food markets now, or the grocery stores mm -hmm. have a selection of uh, foreign foods now that you can pick. Absolutely. Uh, so it's not just a regular uh, lettuce and tomato that's there anymore. It's mm -hmm. there are some specialty foods that are available, and if mm -hmm. if you don't find them at the local food market, there are specialty food markets that you can go to. And yeah, yeah my husband's a big radish fan. Oh, really? And yeah. I'm. I'll eat daikon radishes. I'm not particularly fond of the red radish. It is. But it's available now, so you can get them all over. Isn't that oh. something? Yeah. Now, if somebody wanted to reach you, they would be able to get you on your website, which is what? Uh, it's carolgoodmancoffman.com. carolgoodmancoffman.com, all one word. All one word. Okay. So or, th or through the Facebook page. Or the Facebook page which is the same thing, or you go on Facebook and look up... Peanut Peregrinations. Peanut Peregrinations, or possibly you could look up Carol Goodman Kaufman. That too. would be my personal website, but oh. the, the Peanut Peregrinations is my writing website. Uh, on on Facebook. Fe Facebook, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. So that's great, great. So we're, I'm so uh, thrilled to have you come here and, uh, and talk about food. You're making me hungry now. <laughs> so I'll have to home and uh, think about experiment with <laughs> from the freezer. Well, try that carrot recipe. It's easy and it's delicious. I'm going to tell my wife about that. That's that's uh, that's very. She's the cook in the family. I, I only observe <laughs> and I eat. <laughs> As my husband says, we're in our house. We're completely fifty-fifty. Yeah, she I does eat. all the cooking. I do all the eating. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Well, we have come to the close of the uh, the interview. If anything you'd like to add? Uh, yes, I would like to add thank you so very much for inviting me. This has been a lot of fun. This is great, great. Well, it's uh, you're so enthusiastic mm -hmm. about your uh, interest in foods, and I'm glad to see that you are uh, traveling and you're cooking and you're sharing uh, all your uh, delightful information with your family and wh whoever else uh is interested uh, on uh, your website and on your blogs 
and uh, also on the uh, sh TV shows that you might appear mm -hmm. on too. So they're all venues for uh, exposing people to the wonders of food. Well, thank you very much. I'm going to close the program now. Okay. And uh, I'd like to thank our uh, listening audience. Remember, this is Mox Musings, and every month we uh, interview a local author. Today we were pleased to have Carol Goodman Kaufman. Her uh, website and her, on, on, we'll look up her on uh, Facebook and uh, we uh, enjoyed her uh, discussion today and so we're hoping to see you next time so with that we're closing and uh, bye bye now